we're building this brewery to last a long time. Um, and it, it's sort of it's sort of based on this idea that um, you can trust our brand to introduce you to new things. everybody, welcome back to Creative How, the podcast for curious creatives. Today we have John Zarevitz, the creative director of Union Craft Brewing here in Baltimore. What we learned from John is that the liquid in the can is only 50% of the story, Jed. And the other 50% is the brand experience from the cans all the way to the community outreach. And John had a lot of great things to say. Let's get into it. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. We're really excited about this. Um, and I think this is probably uh, an existential question, but also an easy one for you. Why Why beer? Beer has been a staple in my life since uh, before I was legally allowed to drink. Mm. Um, going back as far as like my first couple beers, um, you know, I can remember tasting Blue Moon for the first time and having my mind kind of blown by it. Um, you know, having kind of cut my teeth on the uh, red dogs and ice houses of the world. Um, you know, getting a taste of something with flavor and different ingredients um, really stuck with me. And by the time I graduated high school, I loved Guinness. I was like the only kid in high school that would bring Guinness to, Same. A, to, right. to a party, yeah. you know. Um, and that kind of set it off. So I ended up going to college uh, at University of Massachusetts in Amherst and um, sort of like the social group I was in. We didn't drink macro lager at parties. We would get the local kegs from the local brewery or growlers from the local brewery, Berkshire Brewing Company. Um, and uh, so when I went to parties, it was good beer. And, you know, that stayed in my life. Um you know, for a long time after, um, not that like beer was my passion forever, but, um, when I would drink beer, it was going to be good beer. Right. Um, coming home to Baltimore and my first kind of experience is going to the brewer's art. Um, this is sort of a common story amongst the beer drinkers in the local area. Um, those were very formative beer experiences, getting to try Belgian beer, having resurrection. Right. Um, and uh, that I think that began the journey. And then, you know, fast forward a number of years and um, I started really exploring beer and going to Max's and meeting other like minded people that were interested. And we started doing bottle shares and uh, we started trading through the mail on these, you know, join these forums online with other people who were interested. And you would send beer from Maryland. They'd send beer from California um, or there was a certain bottle of a certain beer that you were really after and you would you know, exchange it through the mail. Um, so as you sort of develop this broader beer knowledge, um, it just got me really excited about, uh, this, you know, culinary product that, um, was just so interesting and so varied and, uh, I wanted to try everything. Um, and then eventually started homebrewing and brewing it myself. And that was, that was a real education in how beer is made. Um, and, uh, 
that eventually led me to really diving into what craft beer um, in the modern market was like. Um, and there were so many things just outside of not even just the flavors and formulations and um, various styles of beer from all over the world, um, but also the visual identity to it. It seemed like it was this industry with so much to offer as far as graphics and um, different artists and different approaches uh, to the actual physical product creation. Um, and I just fell in love, not to mention that the industry as a whole um, is so sort of communal and has such mm. a um, um, open arms approach to competition and competitors. Um, I just loved the vibe of the beer industry and felt like I wanted to be a part of it. Was, right. was there a point, a demarcation point for the industry, really, where you would say it was uber democratizing? Like what really kind of unlocked the proliferation of, of, of businesses such as yourself that really made it accessible for people? Um, and I, I think you, what you mean is ha for people to actually start yeah. brewing companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The access and, and feel the confidence. Like what, was there like a, a, an innovation in like brewing, you know, materials or, 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 you know, sort of the, the, the gear and things like that? Was there anything that just made it more accessible? So um, in the early nineties, there was this first wave of craft brewers. Um, and I think that got a lot of people interested in what the possibilities were and what could be done. Then there was this huge shakeout and a lot of those um, fled more fledgling craft brewers died out. Um, and now the ones that stood the test of time are still here today. Um, by the time we were ready to enter back in 2011 and planning this since, you know, 2009 or so, um, I think that the knowledge was just out there and being readily shared. And so that lowered the barrier to entry back in the early nineties, brewers like Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head uh, or Ken Grossman from Sierra Nevada. And that was even in the eighties. I mean, these people had to cobble together dairy equipment to make, yeah. to make their craft brewery. Um, you know, brewing equipment was for the big guys. Um, it was not easy to acquire. It was hard to figure out how to get this done, how to make this product, um, in any kind of reasonable way. Um, by the time we were ready, um, there were, there was so much of the fringe industry that supplies mm -hmm. brewers with equipment. There was so much knowledge out there. The brewers association had, you know, um, publications that were like, how, how so you want to start a brewery kind of pamphlets. Yeah. So you it's know? almost like, like open source brewing. Exactly. Like, it's nice. that, and, that, and that's reflects back to the yeah. industry as a whole. It's just like information is readily and easily shared. You just mentioned a couple names from other uh, brewing companies. And I'm wondering if you were educating yourself prior to starting union or whether, um, you know, whether you were, I like liken it to a sneakerhead, you know, the way you were talking about beer trading, were you learning prior to starting the company or has it been since you started the company that you've become a total sort of encyclopedia? Uh, definitely started well before starting union, um, learning about the breweries, the brewers, the history of styles, um, all that stuff really interested me. I mean, if you're going to get a, uh, a beer from a monastery, you know, in Belgium, um, you, you naturally want to like, what, like monks make this beer and it's so sought after and people can only get it if they 
drive to the brewery in Belgium and they have to be there at a certain hour to get their little allocation of it. And I have a bottle because somebody went there and sent it to me. Um, you know, it, it's those kinds of, of things that you really want to unlock the secrets to. But is this, um, is this hobby at this point? This is hobby. This is hobby. Totally. So you just went deep on the hobby. Went deep on the hobby. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, and people will say, you know, be careful making your hobby, your profession. Um, at a certain point, you, I just threw that advice to the wind and was like, no, I'm doing this. Um, I know that I'm not just, it's not just about beer for me. Uh, you know, each of my partners have their own, um, talents and, um, we all bring something very special to the table. Um, my thing being branding and marketing, I knew that this was going to be a great outlet for my other interests and, uh, you know, uh, and, and skills to really be able to show it off in a, a cool way. That's, you know, suited me at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. We, were, we were just talking, um, prior to, prior to starting this, that, uh, to the chance for a, a graphic designer to work on a beer label is like a dream project. Yeah. Like, and you know, I, that's gotta be a lot of fun. We'll get into that a little bit later, sure. but, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, so John, what are some of your favorite styles? You mentioned some of your favorite beers or at least when you were a, a bit younger, but what are some of your favorite styles of beer today? So stylistically, I kind of drink to the season, but there are certain styles that I'll drink anytime. Um, so I love a well-made Pilsner. Now that was not something that I loved when I started drinking beer. Um, because I didn't know what a good one was. But once I discovered what it was, um, when it's truly well-made, I can't get enough of it. I mean, I just absolutely love it. Light, refreshing, still has um, a certain hot profile that I really like. Um, and then, um, you know, I like hops a lot. Um, not as much as a lot of people these days, but, um, you know, a well-made pale ale, uh, like Duckpin. Duckpin is basically my perfect beer. Hmm. So, um you know, well-made pale ale, nice hot profile, still light and refreshing, not, won't kill you with alcohol. Um, those are some of my favorite styles. Um, and then of course there's things like lambics, um, spontaneously fermented beer, sour beer, love that stuff too. Um, these days you've got, you've got examples of all those styles all over the spectrum from, not so well made to expertly made. Um, and so you really kind of have to know, uh, what a good example of that style is. Um, so when I say I like sour beers, it's not like I like all sour beers, but well-made, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Right? And you're in a position to try to make some of those the way you want them. Absolutely. Which is, which I think is cool. And, and just judging by the website and, and the, the variety that you guys put out, like that's, I think what's a fun part about your brand is the adventurous side of that. Definitely. Um, we, we definitely strive to innovate. Um, but we also want to, we want to make sure that we have a broad portfolio of beers because we appreciate them so much. Um, and we also, feel a certain responsibility to keep consumers educated and that, um, you know, a lot of times, especially in beer, things get very homogenous very quickly. So, you know, you've got macro industrial lager. Um, it wasn't long ago that in this country, beer meant macro industrial lager. If you said beer, it's not like there was 400 different styles of beer. There was one style of beer. Um, and, 
we want to make sure that people understand that this all didn't happen overnight. We didn't start with IPA, right. um, which today's drinker I, might, it might surprise, you know, the, right. the, 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 uh, the current craft beer consumer. Um, you know, we want people to go to Belgian beer fest and try all those beers that inspired the brewers that are making their favorite beer today. Yeah. You know? How do you guys right. stay out ahead of the curve in terms of the country's tastes, the palate that, that is currently making waves from, from beer standpoint, you know, staying ahead of the curve is, uh, not easy these days. It's all happening so much faster than it ever did before. Right. Um, and we're seeing that, uh, new is everything. So the, the, the consumer of today's craft beer market, they want the latest, the greatest, the newest thing. Um, and that is tough for, especially for a brewery like ours, which, um, you know, we're building this brewery to last a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's sort of, it's sort of based on this idea that, um, you can trust our brand to introduce you to new things. Um, and the pace at which the demand is coming from, it's like every week, um, people want something new. Uh, and that goes from the person pulling it out of the cooler to the beer buyer at the local craft beer bar and the liquor store. Um, they're like, Oh, you know, we've, we've had duck pin. What do you got? Mm-hmm. new this week. Um, well, we've perfected Duckpin over years. You know, the for, these formulations, they don't necessarily come out as bangers on the first, you know, first right. batch, right. you know. Um, but now there's this pressure to continue to make new beers. So uh, how do we stay ahead of the curve? Um, well, we're always thinking about what the next thing is. We're doing a lot more careful planning than we ever did as we mature as a company. Right. Um, you know, the first handful of years, you're just flying by the seat of your pants. It's all like gut instinct, what we should do next. Um, now we're actually looking at consumer data and we're really kind of diving into numbers and, you know, it's still a lot of, of gut instinct, but it's, it's more balanced now with actual data. Um, and this year, um, we're really excited that we were actually t- t- um, able to take our old brewery, uh, the original Union Avenue brewery. Uh, we kept that facility, um, pared it down to just basically the brew house and a few fermenters. And now we have this rough drafts program, um, which R and D research and development, rough drafts. Um, we, yeah, we, we commented on that today. Nice. That was uh, we, we thought really it was super good. solid. So we, um, <laughs> being <laughs> creatives ourselves, yeah. uh, that one definitely, uh, was sticky. So we're now allowed, we've, um, empowered our brewers and actually entire staff. Anybody that wants to can submit a recipe. They can pair up with one of our brewers. They can come up with it on their own. They can submit recipes to us. Um, if we approve the recipe, they get put on a schedule and they go over to the original brew house, um, with a brewer and they will brew their batch of beer and we will put it on tap. I mean, as long as it's drinkable, it's going to go on tap, um, in our uh, tap room. And through that, we've already kind of graduated a few of those beers to a special release can. Um, and, um, that's really helped us kind of, you know, keep our creative edge as it comes to brewing. So that's a really good um, segue into talking about the mission and the brand name uh, of of Union, because I think you guys are living the brand promise with that just example. Can you go a little deep on like that that inception of of how you guys came together? Yeah. So uh, we knew going into starting a brewery in Baltimore that 
Breweries are powerful entities in a community. Um, we had seen these um, sort of case studies of other breweries in other parts of the country um, that either started somewhere or relocated somewhere um, that really re-energized and revitalized a neighborhood. Um, and when we saw kind of how powerful that was and that Baltimore really sort of lacked um, a brewing entity that that could do that, um, we just sort of put it upon ourselves to be that for Baltimore. Um, you know, we love the city. We were all born in the area. Um, me and my, both my partners, my partner, Kevin grew up in Herndon, Virginia, but he was born here. Um, and, uh, we really just wanted to contribute something positive, not just beer, although that was a big part of it. We, we really wanted, um, to make a product that the citizens of Baltimore would be really proud of, you know, to, to tell their out of town friend, this is our local beer. Um, but, um, we wanted to make, make Baltimore a better place to live, increase the quality of life, um, and, and bring people together. Um, you know, this is a, this is a city that's got so much, um, beauty and creativity and all these wonderful things going on on these quirky neighborhoods and so much culture that we love so much, but it also, you know, has a lot of, um, division and, um, a lot of segregation and a, a lot of these, you know, urban problems, um, and if there was something we could do through the um, crafting of beer, you know, to, to make Baltimore a better city, we were going to try to do it. Um, and we sort of use that as a filter for, for a lot of things that we do. I think you guys are doing a great job and just like, you know, obviously the evolution of the collective and everything like, and moving to that new space, you guys are doing concerts mm -hmm. and it's, you are really, it's, it's been fun to watch as just an outsider's perspective, see you guys. Cause I was drawn initially to the art. I, I long time ago, um, I took the tour of the old space and you ran the tour oh, nice. and, and why it always stuck with me is because you mentioned on that tour that you were a graphic designer. I, I actually asked, I was like, who does the cans? Cause mm -hmm. I was like, all I cared about, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I beer, whatever. Right. The graphic design's killer. Mm -hmm. So, and you had answered that, that you, you'd worked on that. So that's why you were always like earmarked as a guy we wanted to talk to if we were going to do a podcast like this or whatever. But, um, so it's been fun to watch. You guys are delivering on that promise. So that, is that the, what you guys sort of everything you do is gauged by that you're sort of like how does this deliver on our union promise we definitely keep that in mind um it's definitely something that gets repeated a lot uh, you know in meetings and around the brewery um especially when it comes to programming around the events you know beer is beer and like let's relax it's just beer right so um we want to make the best beer we can possibly make um but we also know that it's not everything. It's not, you know, it's like we we do obsess over the liquid itself, um, but we obsess just as much over every event we do, um, you know, every sort of community centric um, gathering that we have, every nonprofit night that we offer. Um, you know, we just want to do good, uh, at, you know, for the city um, and for the people that support us. Are you guys aware of your sort of, increasing sort of notoriety role and role in the community? Um, you know, I think we can feel the energy around it. Um, there's, you know, there's certainly 
more activity. We, people are, uh, there's more inbound these days. Like, Hey, we really want to work with you. Um, we really want to do an event with you. Um, then there was in the past where mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. a lot of outreach and, you know, more podcasts coming in. Yeah. More, a, lot, right. a lot of podcasts. <laughs> I, I got one right after this. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so, you know, obviously not everybody who listens to this is going to be from Baltimore, but I do want to reference something. So, 83 is the main artery into the city and out of the city and union collective is right there, um, at the edge of the city. And, um, the design of the outside of the building I've always thought was really interesting. Obviously you have your own branding, but that's actually not the biggest thing. So can you just talk about how you wanted that to look? Yeah. So this building was sitting there for a long time and we, I mean, I've probably driven by it 10,000 times. Um, and we started this search for a new facility Um, we knew that was there, but it was such a massive building and we only needed 40, 50,000 square feet to expand to. Um, and so we looked everywhere for probably two years. We just kept looking and looking and looking and, um, tried to make some things happen on some buildings and just not, you know, didn't, didn't work out until, um, one day we were like, we should take a second look at that, that old headwind building, the old Sears building. So we went down there, um, when, you know, we first walked into it, we just were like, what are we going to do with all of this building? It's just too much for us. Um, and I think it was probably the second time we took a look at it. We were like, what if we bring in a bunch of other people into here and really use this as a hub for, um, local manufacturing? Um, and so in doing so, like we knew we were going to brand a union portion of it, but the, the larger project is really the union collective. Um, and, uh, we wanted to give that as much emphasis as possible. And we're not even done yet on that. Like that getting that, um, mural that faces 83 was sort of a first step. Um, but there's a lot more to come as far as, you know, branding the identity of, of union collective. Um, and, uh, Shout out to uh, Post Typography on that one. They, they 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 handled that beautifully. Yeah, it looks amazing already. Um, so that actually brings up a, a point about branding. You know, you talked a little about about really stressing about the uh, the liquid, which is important. Mm-hmm. The ingredients. You're gonna get other podcasts to go kind of deep on that. Right. We're admittedly not here to do that. We're actually here and talking to you specifically because we like how your brand looks and the branding part of it. Mm-hmm. So, can you talk about a little bit? you know, in terms of the inception of that, you sure. know, and, and your, I guess, aesthetic philosophy leading up and, and doing the cans and that, you know, started with duck pin and all that. Right. So even before the actual brewing company had the name union, uh, I had this rough visual idea of how I wanted the product to look. We knew we were going to be in cans. And even seven years ago, that was almost a novelty for a brewery. It was still bottles. Glass was by far dominating the, the alcohol beverage industry and especially beer, but more and more people were moving to cans. Um, and I love the can as a canvas for graphics. Um, it's, it, it's far superior is in many ways, but in that way specifically to, to a bottle. Um, and so look, this is Baltimore that we have this, um, you know, blue collar kind of retro vintage vibe to just the culture of the city. Um, I wanted the can to feel right. 
um, in the hands of uh, a, a drinker who may be coming to craft beer for the first time, who may be coming from a natty bow life. Um, you know, I, I wanted it to feel like it had been there forever. Um, but, but also having sort of one foot into, you know, more modern design. Um, so, and I also knew that the naming conventions were going to draw on some, um, quirkier parts of Baltimore culture. Um, so all of that kind of fit together. And then I worked with, um, Kat Feuerstein and Natalie Cohen at, at Gila, um, to develop the, the look and feel of our core branding. Mm -hmm. Um, and then eventually we found the space down on union Avenue and the whole union thing came together and all those pieces fit together to create our core brand. That's, that's really interesting that sort of, you didn't want to put off, you know, sort of legacy drinkers, I guess we'll call them, you know, somebody didn't want to feel like it was too out there. That's right. That, that, that's really smart. I didn't, I never even, you know, consider that that would be a way to appeal to maybe two demographics or types of drinkers. That's yeah. I mean, what, we really felt that we didn't want to be off the wall. We weren't yeah. dogfish head. We weren't going to be like using crazy ingredients and, and, and creating crazy ingredients and making super high ABV beers. Um, we wanted our core brand to be approachable, accessible, and, um, have, uh, have people have a certain curiosity to maybe getting into craft beer for the first time. Did you go and like those early prototypes, maybe of cans, did you kind of, uh, uh, sneak them into distributors and kind of see how they looked on shelves or in the, in the cases against other beers. Um, we've heard stories of, I've never, I never, I never did. I never, I never like stuck them in the cooler (laughs) just to like see how they look. No, but I mean, I did use sort of consumer psychology a little bit, like, you know, that the red of the duck pin can, um, you know, the, the, the blue of the Anthem, like those are, those are colors that you will see on other products for a, for a reason, because there's, you know, proven psychology behind that. Those colors sort of pull off the shelf. Um, and so, uh, you know, there was definitely some thought behind, behind that. But you have the core brand, which yes. I think has an aesthetic, but then you right. guys gotten a kind of loose in the uh, collabs and the seasonals, yeah. which we found that page on your site today and, yeah. and, and wasted a good hour of yeah. time. Yeah. But I would say that when you look at all of the different branding for the different cans, you know, there are a lot of different looks. Yes. And, but they all share something and you said the word accessible and like, you know, I'm looking at one right now that's, it's Rye Baby and obviously comes from John Waters. There was one on the site that was like a, there was like a grill, a gold grill (laughs) and there's a million others. They relate somehow though. So you said accessible. What else were you thinking? What else are you thinking when you're designing today? So it, it, uh, it'll depend which product line it's going to fall in. Um, if we're going to add to the core portfolio, it's tight. That's, we know how that's basically going to look and feel. Um, if it's going into our seasonal road, so this is our seasonal IPA series. I'm, I'm holding a can of rye baby, uh, seasonal IPA series. So those have a, you know, an area for an illustration or a pattern or whatever I'm going to apply to that. Um, and then they sort of have, you know, some, branding elements that are going to stay, uh, true to the, to the series. And then, um, I've often said that I have sort of a visual ADD. So, um, I got into this from collecting gig posters, um, and, you know, collecting prints and posters, um, 
you know, really kind of established, uh, what I'm looking for, um, and different style elements that I like and how they can be applied artists to approach. Um, and I love to mix it up and I, we create, um, products sometimes just to allow us to be freer with our branding elements. So, you know, when I was coming up in graphic design, I did a lot of corporate designs. I, I was, you know, in a corporate cubicle doing corporate branding for a number of years. Um, when you're sort of held to those very rigid standards year after year after year, uh, I started craving, you know, just, just letting loose of all these rules and, right. and r- rules and restrictions. Now that's not to say that I didn't learn a ton about what proper branding is and bringing some of that. Um, but at the same time, I knew that if I ever had my own, my own brand, I would, you know, stick to the rules where necessary, but also them. bust them out. Yeah. yeah. Cause it, we, this, a can or, or a bottle, any kind of beer project is a dream project for a lot of graphic designers. So, um, I've seen there's been an eclectic mix of artists you've worked with. How do you find them? How do they, do you encourage them to reach out to you? Everybody listen to this and John portfolios. What, what, how do you determine who to work with? So I like to keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening in the, in the art scene locally, especially, um, and when we first started, I was going through the portfolios of graduates of MICA um, and looking for looking through, you know, the illustration graphic design programs and looking at their portfolios um, and a number of my, uh, um, you know, first cans that featured uh, illustrations came from that process. Um, Old Pro, um, you know, Rye Baby Snowpants, those are Alex Fine illustrations. I found him through that. Um so that's one way we do it now that the company has grown a little bit and we're more visible. There's a ton of inbound, um, you know, you know, you hit the nail on the head in that this does seem to be a dream project for a lot of designers and illustrators. So they are, you know, reaching out now. Um, we've also taken on interns, um, from the micro program, like an internship program. And through that, um, what about 40 year old interns? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we're Do not, you pay we're not ages. Beer. Yes. We pay in beer. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so some of those have grown from, you know, just, you know, internship projects where they were doing flyer designs and like little designs right. here and there, um, to getting their artwork featured on a can. No, I think I would think you, you're in a position also in the reverse. Are there artists, you mentioned gig posters and there's famous gig poster designers out there. Ames brothers, people like that is, is, are you maybe trying to get any of those guys in to design some cans? I definitely have a list of, you know, dream artists that I would love to design some cans for me. We're going to help you get it. What's the top? Cool. Uh, I, I am a big uh, fan of Jay Ryan from Chicago. Uh, collect a ton of his stuff. Uh, Jay, if you're listening, Jay's uh, listening, hit me up. We're going to, Jay will be added. Um, (laughs) Uh, there's this uh, husband and wife um, artist duo called Dabs Mila. Um, I just went to their show out in LA. Um, they're amazing. I would love to work with them. There's really a, there's really a ton, but um, you know, keeping with our mission, I, I lean towards local first. Sure. Um, I did get to work with uh, an artist named Matt Looning, um, who has done a ton of posters for bands I love and collect. Um, he was uh, in Oakland. He's now in Atlanta. 
But um, that came through a collaboration with DC Brow. He was living in DC for a while. He did some work for them. Um, and I was always super jealous that they got to work with him. Um, but we got to do a collaboration together where he did a design for each of us. Yeah. Um, so we mm-hmm. had these companion cans that looked really cool together. No one said you can't have fun, John. No, thanks. Yeah, We're going to get trying. you these guys. Um, real quick, John, what, what did you study in college? I studied English with a concentration in writing. This is, that's what I thought. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that was true. Because huh. yeah. it's, you know, yeah. Sean and I always make fun of each other, I guess, about uh, the two disciplines. But um, how did you refine your visual skills? And you obviously have a, a solid taste level and there's a systematic approach, even though there's freedom to the to what you're having designed. Um, how did you develop that? Um. I have to give a lot of credit to my wife, Julie. So she, um, after graduating, she was an anthropology and art major. Um, she graduated and wanted to become a graphic designer. So she enrolled at, at, in a um, continuing studies program at MICA for graphic design. And, you know, we were sharing this small apartment and I was watching her work. Um, meanwhile, I was working some like retail job. Um, and she was creating and I could watching her sort of develop, um, into a real graphic artist. Um, and meanwhile, I was still collecting all these posters and was real deep into the gig poster scene. Um, but watching her and learning from her, um, I really kind of caught the bug, I would say. Um, so, I enrolled in a certificate program at the time, basically learning the Adobe suite. Um, and I picked up what good design is through her and, you know, just started going out there and getting jobs, freelancing, doing graphic design. Um, you know, most of it, not good. Um, and then, you know, eventually landed this long-term gig, um, you know, in a corporate office. And that's when I feel like I really got the education of, of, uh, you know, proper branding and, um, you know, having somebody critique you day after day and having an art director work, you know, work with you, um, that really helped a lot. Hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm not an executor. I mean, I can do stuff, um, but, um, I know that there are people out there that are better than me and I want to work with them. Well, I mean, Jed said it, like a lot comes down to taste. And if you've established that and you know, the fundamentals and the rules, as you said, I think you're going to get a long way because now, now you're the art director, now you're the creative director, right? right? You know? Yeah. I mean, and that's always, I think where I needed to be in, in, in that role. And, um, it's working out. Yeah. Thanks. Right. So from a creative standpoint and, um, you know, what your, your skill set was developing, and you guys have the idea for this business. Um, you have described some of your vision and maybe having had that before you even had products out there, but how has your creative skill set influenced the beginning and evolution of Union? Um, I think it's influenced it heavily. So, um, you know, the visual identity, the voice of the company, um, you know, all the writing, I still do like 90% of the social media posts. Um, you know, any, any written piece, any description of the beers and everything on the cans, you know, that's all comes from me. Um, and so, you know, I've put myself in a interesting position in that that's going to be very hard to transition over. Um, you know, I know that I shouldn't be doing the social media for the company. Um, and you know, there, there are, there are things that I, I need to let go of. Um, but so much of it, 
you know, comes from my head, the naming conventions, um, you know, as we build the company, there are now more people on my team that I can work with and bounce ideas off of. And sometimes, you know what, like, I feel like I've exhausted all the ideas, um, and I just need fresh input. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, as the company's matured, I've definitely opened that up to more people within the organization to influence that. Um, but, um, you know, so much of that creative energy, I think at least has to begin with me. What's the, what's the team look like internally? And then how do you determine who to work with and when externally? Yeah. So the team is, is still, um, you know, fairly basic, you know, as the company as a whole, we've got, you know, our production team, our brewers, uh, quality control, um, sellermen, and then the whole packaging team. Um, we've got, you know, somebody that just does warehouse work and, and building the orders to ship in and out in the office. Um, you know, it's basically myself, uh, and Jenna Dutton, who's our, our lead designer. Um, she works directly under me. We work very closely together every single day. Um, and Chris Attenborough, who's technically our general manager, but he has a, um, a, a, a really great art background. He's a mm. photographer, he's a builder, a sculptor. Um, so I bring him in on a lot of the creative discussions as well. Um, and then we've got, uh, an outside sales force and they influence a lot because we, I need to know what they need and what the market wants and what the store owners want. Um, so, you know, that they're involved a lot as well. Um, and then there's, you know, there's a business side of it. That's the number crunching and the data stuff. Um, but we all try and work together as much as possible. Um, you know, and that's something that like we're learning as we go is that we can't be these like siloed departments of the company. Um, so, you know, internal communication is, I think, surprisingly to me, one of the most difficult challenges, um, of, of running this business is just like keeping everybody communicating all on the same page. Cause there's just this natural inclination to just put your head down and do your job. Um, how, how would you describe the culture? Internal culture, because you're, you're talking a lot about like philosophies yeah. and things like that. The natural progression is what's the culture at Union? Yeah, um, we try and keep it like a family. And um, honestly, the, the culture right now is probably better than it's ever been. Um, the, the company keeps growing. We have more and more people coming on. Um, a lot of them, you know, skew younger. And we um, we just try and keep them um as, as a unit and as a family, um, taking care of each other. Uh, we try and do a lot of fun stuff, um, for them and take them out and do fun activities from, from doing, you know, evening bottle shares to, um, you know, volunteer days to staff parties and all these things. We, we really put a lot of effort. In fact, we have our own sort of committee culture, we call it culture club. So there's mm -hmm. certain people from every department, everybody meets and we just come up with, um, you know, cool things that are meaningful to us. Um, as well as we open up, um, you know, event ideas, merch ideas, you know, anything that can give these people a sense of ownership, uh, you know, uh, over some part of the project, um, of what union is, uh, we that's, invite them to bring that to us. Um, that's really great. And, and so total workforce, what do you, what is your team size? Not, not uh, your specific team, but like entire union. Yeah. I think, uh, entire union, I think we're at about 42 people. Wow. That's great. Uh, Just, I mean, yeah, I the insight you guys, crazy. man, I'm just continually impressed about how smart you guys are in terms of just, you're doing things that, 
a lot of larger companies haven't figured out yet. Thanks. Like the, yeah. The, I mean, the just, beer is awesome. The beer, also, the beer is awesome. The the catering to the the just ensuring that the the culture is on sound footing and and those types of you know sort of activities to build the camaraderie I think is just I think beyond your your age as a as a as a crew right as a as a company you know so it's yeah. really cool. I mean we just we just try and do what feels right um, and sometimes those aren't the easiest things mm-hmm. to do you know It'd probably be a lot easier to just sort of ignore company culture. Um, but, um, we really want to keep everybody happy because then they bring that, they bring that positive attitude to their job and to the customer experience and, um, it pays off. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So shifting gears slightly, I just, you know, I'm looking at the cans that you brought and also we've talked about all the amazing design work that's on your because site. Because you're thirsty? Well, I am actually, I just, finish this one so we are all drinking that's a hint um, not not heavily or anything and it wasn't intentional i mean john brought it so what are we gonna do but anyway question is this um could you give the audience a a snapshot of an entire process from inception of idea of a new style all the way through branding and then even maybe distribution just maybe one example yes so uh we will start by sort of looking at the year um, what beers we know are going to come out, um, you know, because there's certain ones that are year round and you've got your seasonals then you've got your sort of like specialty releases that come out at a certain time every year. Um, then we start to look for the gaps and fill those in. What are we going to do here? What are we going to do there? Um, so let's say that we've all sat around and we decided we really want to do a, uh, dry Irish stout. Uh, we really want to put out a dry Irish stout. Maybe it comes out around um, St. Patrick's Day, right? Um, so we'll get that on the schedule. I don't even have to worry really about what the recipe is. I know that Kevin is going to, one way or another, figure out how to write a kick-ass recipe um, and get this beer brewed. Then me and Jenna are going to sit down and we're going to start coming up with the identity for it. Um, we try and do that as soon as possible. Um, and I will make, I'll start brainstorming the name. So it all starts with the name. Um, and inevitably there will be something visual that we haven't done yet that I've been wanting to do. So, you know, in my head I've got, Oh, I want to do, uh, I haven't done a, um, photographic treatment on the can. I really want to do that. Or I want to do it where, you know, it doesn't really even say the name. The name is just kind of like hidden in there somewhere. It's all graphic. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe this is my chance to do that. Um, so we'll, we'll end up on, uh, a short list of names. Then we'll bring everybody back in the room here. The, you know, the names, what's everybody think, um, question on the names. Are you running that through some sort of legal process to like trademark it and do all that sort of minutia? If so, that'll either happen. I'll either do that initially, like while I'm brainstorming names, like poor man's Google. Poor man's Google. Okay, exactly. I'll right. run it through beer advocate. I'll just type beer after the name, you, you know, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll get a sense of whether or not it's been used. Um, a lot of times these names have been used, but it's a beer that somebody made once and they didn't package it and they didn't put it out in the world. So that's still kind of fair game. So let me ask you this, cause this is going to be absurd, but okay. So I have an idea for a name right now. Mm-hmm. So how for that beer? Mm-hmm. How often do people who are not in your sort of tight inner circle of namers come to you and say, I've got an awesome name? Uh, it's actually pretty rare. Um, 
There, there has, you go. There has been some. I got it. I, got it. There has been, I haven't seen you smile this big in like. <laughs> yeah, this is, is going to be good. Because um, I actually have a name for that same beer too. And yours Ooh, isn't related off. to anyone here. It's though, a so name it's probably off. better. Anyway. Um, but uh, there has been some influence from outside for sure. Like just, you know, me and some of my friends sitting around and, and I'll be like, oh, I'm really stuck on this, you know, and somebody will throw out a name and be like, that's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. So it's happened, but it doesn't happen as much as you, you'd think. Got it. So yeah. you, you run poor man's Google right? Or, okay. or poor man's copyright. Sorry. Right. Through Google. So that's going to eliminate a nice portion yeah. because God, there's been so many beers, so sure. many beer names and sure. you know, there's almost no original ideas out there. Um, and so whatever's left over, we're going to pick from, and then it, it depends how far is this going to get distributed? How, you know, is this for a one-off release that I'm only going to do 50 cases of in the tap room and it's going to sell out in a couple of weeks? Is this going to be a larger release that does go out to market, but is only around for a couple months? Or is this going to be, you know, a core, if this is a core beer that's going to be brewed year round that like we're really, you know, standing behind. But couldn't it be both? Like uh, the, it could be on the smaller level and it just goes bonkers and you guys are like, we need to like keep could. this thing in the portfolio. Sure. So are you, that long view needs to be kind of considered, you even though you're like, it's only going to be 50 cases, yeah, but you definitely need to consider that. And honestly, there's been some times when we've changed the brand be because of that, yeah. um, where we're like, oh, this beer is so good and we want to make more of it and release it for a longer period of time. But you know, the name isn't right or the branding isn't right. There's been times when like we've come out with a new beer and I've had 48 hours to brand it. And, you know, you know, if you look closely, you can tell which ones those are. Um, I think so it's hilarious by the way, the fact that the founder of the company still got effed with a timeline. Oh, yeah, God, all, true. all the time. Right, right. <laughs> it just goes to show that it just never ends. Totally. <laughs> um, so, uh, so if it's going to be a core beard, something that like we're really going to get behind and put a lot of resources behind, that's going to go to our lawyer and the lawyer is going to run that through um, and let us know what else is out there that's outside of beer that I'm not looking at um, and be like, yeah, you might have a problem here. You might not. Um, and we've had some funny stories, um, you know, Steady Eddie, Eddie Murray's people. I didn't ask for permission to do that. Um, that they certainly came to us when the, right. once they saw it, luckily that story ends with a happy ending. And, um, Eddie is a part of that beer and, and, uh, he's behind it hundred percent. We, we have worked it out and he's visited the brewery and, what? um, yeah. Um, That's awesome. so he's now, you know, a friend and he loves this beer and he loves the fact that it exists in Baltimore. Um, and we're going to expand on that relationship that we've built there. Yes. Um, you know, John Waters has seen the rye baby can, um, you know, we do things with such good intentions and these are you know these are tributes to yeah you know par parts of our culture um i think people get that um so you know we've been we've been lucky i mean when's the last time you heard eddie murray well it's funny because i got a chance to have lunch with him once and i'm not surprised that he both found out about it but also was on board with it once you talked to him yeah he's a real nice guy yeah he was he was very nice he could i'm just saying he could use some social lift at this point right Okay, he's a Phillies fan, John. Uh, can cut no, he's coming back. He's coming back, working yeah. in the front office or well, back office or one of the, one <laughs> of the offices stuff. at the Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got the branding, got the name, and everything nailed down. What I want to talk about is like the story you arm your sales guys to go out and sell this into uh, distributors. Right. So 
we try and get them included in the process as early as possible because um, they need to get comfortable being able to sell the product. They need to understand the name and why I named it that and what the story is behind it. They obviously need to know, um, you know all the characteristics of the beer uh, and all, all that info. On top of that, um, we will put together a sort of package of um, templates and graphics and tap handle stickers and, uh, you know, POS materials, um, to arm them with when they go out into the market. Um, and you know, we really have to feel comfortable that they are truly behind it. I mean, I've named some beers, some things that I loved and thought was funny or whatever, but they didn't feel comfortable <laughs> retelling. I can tell the story, yeah. but it's not, doesn't yeah. necessarily work for everybody. Something. It loses something in translation yeah. sometimes. Um, and so, you know, I'll get some flack from them. That, like we can't say, they can't even say that, you know? So it's, right. it's just, you know, it can be tough. So I have to consider that, um, you know, in the initial branding, but, um, yeah, I mean, they are our, you know, our first line to get these beers into where they need to be. Um, additionally, we've got our distributor who has their wholesales force in all the different territories of Maryland and DC. Um, and then we also sell beer in Northern Virginia. So there's, you know, there's these massive teams of salespeople out there that all need to know about it. So we will take everybody from the distributor and we'll bring them into the brewery, uh, um, about once a quarter and we'll introduce any new products that are coming out to them. They'll get to taste them. They'll hear the story behind it. They'll see the graphics, uh, kind of get them pumped up to, to then go out and sell it. So then are you educating them on terms of like the support that the brewery is going to give from a marketing standpoint? Yes. Now you guys just dropped the Super Bowl commercial. We did. Yeah. <laughs> it was great, by the way. Thank you. I like the, uh, um, if you haven't seen it, check it out on their Instagram handle. Yeah. But uh, are you, are you telling them about like certain initiatives like that? We basically have a plan for the year. So we'll have like one real long, serious meeting where we talk about what they're going to do for us this year. And they're going to say, well, what are you going to do to support that effort? Um, and so we have to have a lot of those ideas um, fleshed out already. And, uh, you know, and then we have to execute on, on those. Um, and, you know, on both sides, it's, it can be, it can be difficult. You know, you can plan all you want, but actually executing and, you know, hitting that. And there's so many outside factors when it comes to that. Um, you know, for example, like there's a, a huge backlog on having pre-printed cans made right now. Um, and, you know, we have promised a certain product at a certain time and we can't, physically get the cans to the brewery in time. Hmm. So, you know, that you, the, the amount of things that that throws, you know, off now from the whole larger plan is crazy. So you're constantly having to, yeah. um, you know, go back and replan and figure things out. Um, but you know, we do the best we can every, everybody does, but you know, this is a, like I said, like a lot of this, we are flying by the yeah. seat of our pants. Like we, we well, you know, I would think having the hot hand a little bit right now works in your favor to, I, to ease some of that. Yeah, I mean, if if you think we have the hot hand, that seems you know, like that, you know. it really does <laughs> seem like. It. Well, that's cool. I mean, so then I think we wanted to get hot back a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I I thought about what you said about uh, brewers art, and for again, for those who aren't in Baltimore, it's a really really amazing um, restaurant and craft beer place, I guess you could call it. But you go in there, and there's a, an upper floor, beautiful. Then you go downstairs into what I referred to earlier as the dungeon. Yep. Because what happens after you have a couple of their beers is very interesting. Magic. Yeah, it is magic. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you experienced that too. Yeah. So what was your vision for the experience 
at Union, when people actually come to your place, sample your beers and, you know, absorb your brand. Right. So, um, it's, if that has definitely been an evolution, um, when we opened the original location, the tap room was an afterthought. It wasn't, we didn't, we didn't live in a world where brewery tap rooms were the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the merit, the laws to, for Maryland beer, um, all but, you know, prevented them from even happening. We were allowed to, to give out six, three ounce samples. If you took a tour and you could buy 188 ounces of beer per year as an individual going to the producer going Mm. to the manufacturer that was the law set when we opened so we had a tiny bit of space left over after building our brewery we had zero money um and we took recycled materials that were pulled out of the construction phase of the of the production facility like there was all this beautiful wood that i thought was beautiful and i made sure we held on to it so we could at least build a bar out of um you know i had formica countertops because that was all we could afford i had the cheapest bar stools i could find there was basically no room for guests to even be in there we had a we had a draft box that we got from a restaurant that was going out of business and the draft box had been in the basement for five years and it luckily you plugged it in and still it would still cooled down. So we took that, um, you know, it was very cobbled together. We spent that first, um, some, some of the time in that first year going to Annapolis to support a bill to allow, um, tap rooms to, you know, to, to sell a pint of beer to a guest. Um, luckily that law went through. Now we can start really building that customer interaction. I mean, that is, um, by far our best means of directly touching, you know, a a customer and hopefully keeping them as a future customer. So we get direct feedback on the beers. We can, we can tell if they're enjoying our vibe, if they're, you know, if they're comfortable with us and talking to us. Um, and we want to make sure people feel like family when they come in, we want to make it feel like this is their second home. Um, this is a place that, you know, is like a staple in the neighborhood. Um, you know, we really believe that, um, by being thoughtful about the way we present ourselves and the, the way we present the customer experience that we can become part of like the fabric of Baltimore. And that's, that's, you know, just hugely important to us and for, um, repeat customers. And then the other thing is that, our marketing is largely event based and we realized the power, we realized the power of that very early on. Um, and like we figured out how to throw great parties and that really goes a long way. I mean, if you can come up with new ideas to, you know, it's all basically the same thing. You're bringing people there and you're entertaining them for a certain amount of time. Um, you're hoping they, you know, spend their money on our beer, but if they don't and they just hang out and leave being like, I just had a great time at union. Maybe I had one beer. Maybe I didn't have any beer. I don't, you know, to me, that's not really the end goal. Um, it's really just to provide a place for people to gather and have a great time and forget about all the shit that's going on in the world. Um, and just relate to one another, um, and be proud that, you know, they were doing this at this place that's Baltimore that, you know, that makes a product they're proud of. I think that's, what's really cool about your industry. I don't think any other industry, not most industries have that type of quick feedback loop. Yeah. That's gotta be a great feeling because it literally rolls out and onto the floor and you can get that initial reaction that, I mean, that's gotta be just insanely invaluable to you guys. It's absolutely invaluable. It's, it's by far like the, you know, the, the whole proliferation of brewery tap rooms, um, is a interesting debate right now. Um, they are becoming, um, more and more, 
um, prolific and they are becoming bigger and bigger sales tools to breweries that like you, you almost, you have to have one. Um, and the consumer wants to come. I mean, what other, what other product can you think of manufactured product where people want to go and spend like hours and hours at the manufacturing facility? That's like, what, that's what I mean. Know, yeah, it's crazy. You can go, you know, you can take the Utz factory yeah, tour and say. it's fun. And they you, do nice you know, Christmas lights. You walk out with a bag of chips and you know, it's cool. Um, <laughs> But this industry just lends itself to this communal experience and that every, any brewer can capitalize on. Um, but there's a lot that comes with it. You know, you, you got to be able to, you know, provide the education and the service and, the you know. So, so on that note, and this potentially polarizing question, because we've had some Ooh. smaller manufacturers on our show, mm-hmm. I want to hear your thoughts on the word or the term craft. Do you embrace it? Do you feel it's, uh, it doesn't really represent what you guys do? You're like, man, I don't care. I feel like seven years ago, craft was a differentiator because the mentality in beer was it was the small craft brewers versus big beer. And so you needed that word to hang your hat on to let people know really what you weren't Um, now we're seven years in and I don't feel that way anymore. Um, I could take the word out, honestly. Um, we just make beer like anybody makes beer. It's all crafted beer. Um, I don't feel that it it really lends as much value as it once did. Hmm. Um, you know, except that it, it lets people know that we are still independent um, and I've seen some brewers switch, you know, they've, they've dropped the word craft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't really know what it means anymore, but it is, you know, part of our identity and, you know, I'm not, it's not going anywhere. Um, but I don't feel like it holds as much value as it once did. Well, you guys might be evolving it at this point. Do you think like there's a, a new wave of craft because it has been appropriated by bigger brands yeah. and the artisans and yeah. all the, all yeah. that sort of marketing of yeah. spin. Panera. Right. Panera. Right. Exactly. Right. Sure. Well, there goes the one advertiser that we'd hope for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, still all right. Well, anyway, good to me this week. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's another craft Panera. Uh, but do you feel like there's a, a new, like almost like a Renaissance of like reimagining what that term means to make it actually quote unquote mean something to you guys? Or you're just saying it's not even a crutch anymore and you could just drop it and not even care. I could drop it and not even care. Um, You know, I I just don't feel like we need to differentiate ourselves by being artisanal or whatever. Like we're just beer for people. Um, And the fact that it's crafted or that we put a lot of thought and love and care behind it. And like we make a lot of different products. Um, You know, I just, uh, to me that word craft doesn't really even embody that. I mean, that's just like what we do. We could be called union beer company and I would be just as happy with that. You know? Yeah. I mean, you guys are well on your way to just the shorthand anyway, at least locally. Yeah. And that, and that was, you know, that, that was the goal all along. Like, you know, I've got the logo that says union craft brewing, but the same day that was developed, I had the logo that is just the U and I had hoped that, right. you know, if the company grew and grew, all I would need was that U to make it, you know. I have to say, I, I really, you know, a lot of people start companies 
who don't have any type of uh, storytelling, marketing, branding background. They don't think about those things and it becomes something that is a problem, mm-hmm. you know, so it's cool that you were thinking about Sorry it. Sorry to tell you, John, but you were a design nerd by making multiple logos. Yes. <laughs> I'll take Which it. I'm super I'll embrace that. With. I'll embrace that. Um, it's okay. But yeah, I mean, you know, when, when I would go do research on branding of craft beer and stand in front of the cooler, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago, the amount of poor branding um, and execution was astonishing. Um, nowadays, there's a lot of really good, cool, interesting things right. on the shelf. Um, people are, you know, starting to catch on that like design matters. You know, matters now more than ever, um, and especially in our category, which is so sat- saturated with different brands. You, you, hit, you hit it right on the head, man. It makes shopping hard as hell, it's man. Crazy. Yeah, right? <laughs> I now, right. Like, I'm, and it just feels like in the last few years, like yeah. everybody's caught on yep. at once. I feel like you guys are at the forefront because I could easily find you guys, but now it's like, there are a lot of, and uh, you know, maybe I'm just a problem in my own head because I am, I come from a design background. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at that stuff and I'm getting distracted because I don't, my beer knowledge admittedly is subpar mm-hmm. and I am definitely lured by the good design. Yeah, and no, I hate a, to be that guy. Yeah, but with wines too. Yeah. And it, I mean it, like whiskey bottles. It's like, yeah, it's unbelievably, it's a really cool the packaging discipline, is, yeah. but it's also, you, you can really fuck it up if you, if you, if you don't do it right. Totally. You know? And you know, I'm the same way as you. I'm heavily influenced by, by the design, easily distracted. I think that by being on the supplier side, the production side, um, you know, I, I, I now know that, just because a bottle looks good, it has a sick label and perfect branding, like doesn't mean the product's that good. So I'm going to be a little bit more careful of where I spend my money. Hmm. Um, you know, but that's, that's just because like I have that knowledge base of the actual yeah. product inside yeah. the can. Right, you know? right. So John, now we get into like our show promise, which is creative house. And that usually entails the first three to four things that somebody can do when they turn off this podcast, whether it be tonight, tomorrow morning, they roll out of bed, they're like, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to help build a brand. And in this case, a brewery or a beer brand, you know, what, what do you feel like they should just as a supplier and a creative director, they should be maybe focusing on right away? I would say the first thing you got to do is look at all the legacy brands. Look at the brands that have been around for at least a decade, if not two or three, um, and see how they've evolved, you know, over the years. You're going to notice that, you know, a lot of these brands have um, rebranded at some point and, you know, look at the choices they made and why did they do it. Um, You know, the next thing I would look at is, what hasn't been done yet? Um, can you find those those gaps? Can you find a point of differentiation? Um, and um, and then you got to look outside of the, the the industry. So, what are people doing in packaging that is different? Um, what are some visual approaches um, that don't come from within beer? Because we're over time you all sort of start to think the same. It's almost like this like phasing phenomenon where like everybody's kind of blowing in the, in, you know, in their own direction. And then suddenly everybody sort of, sort of, sort of seems to sync up at some point where like all of a sudden I've executed a can that's 
full of illustration and somehow everybody else did at the same time too. And like, you, you know, you think you got an original idea, but somehow it's in the zeitgeist and everybody's picked up on it too. Um, and then you start to sort of fall out of that sinking. Um, so, um, you know, paying attention to the trends. Um, and also like, you got to look hard at demographics. Like we're living in this age of Instagram it has been such a game changer for, I'm sure, every industry. I mean, I sometimes sit down and think about the influence that social media and especially Instagram has had um, just on my industry alone. Right. Um, and it cannot be understated, like how crazy it is now, because we are like designing for Instagram. Um, it, it, you I think this is what is driving this need for constant newness. Um, you know, it's like every time someone refreshes their Instagram page, they need to see something new. Um, and you're, you're, you're pining for these likes and this, you know, all this, feed, all, this all this instant feedback. <laughs> it's not good. Um, so, um, there are trends in there that you can, that you can pick up on and capitalize on. Um, but at the same time, so that's sort of like the short view. There's a long view. What do you want this brewery that you're going to create this brand? What do you want it to be? How long do you see it being around? Is it going to be small? Is it going to be big? Is it going to be distributed to California? Um, those are all, you know, key factors in, in deciding, you know, how to take the next step. One follow up on that, the, you know, in the, in the quote unquote old days, 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more, Yeah, a brand was about consistency and you know there was a, there was an aspect of freshness to it yeah but now it seems like it's all freshness yeah but you also have to or do you have to carve out you know some kind of meaning for your brand you know what are your thoughts on that you definitely have to have that meaning that story um that level of quality and standard that you that you really hang your hat on that you really stand for you have to stand for something um, and you know, you, you've got to put whatever you're doing, whether it's not, whether it's coming out with something new every week or, um, you know, continually pushing on that one thing that you do super duper well, um, either of those things still need to get filtered back through this lens of whatever it is that you really stand for. Um, I think that's hugely important. I think, you know, authenticity is still, you know, critical, um, people see through it when you don't, when you don't have that, um, you know, that said like the, the consumer is fickle. Um, and so, um, I think it takes even more effort to really drive that home that you do stand for something and make it meaningful to, to that person. And like, you're not going to get, you're not going to capture everybody with that. Uh, and you have to, I think you have to be okay with that too. Um, one thing I wanted to circle back on, uh, was the, just the, the, you guys, I think part of your, um, DNA is to collaborate. Obviously it's the brand name and things like that. And one of the greatest pages on your website is like the list of all the different types of collaborations you've done. So going forward, how will you guys approach that and how will it continue just to continue bringing other disparate industries into the fold? You know, I think, um, you've definitely hit on something is that, uh, collaboration in craft beer meant collaborating on a brew with another brewery. And that is super fun to do. And we love to do that. Um, it's still, it's still, uh, an industry full of camaraderie and the willingness to, to brew with each other, which is totally amazing and doesn't happen in a lot of other, um, industries. Um, but, uh, 
in order for us to continue to evolve, we want to look outside of beer. Um, we realize that we've built a brand that stands for something that people care about and that there's tons of other industries of like-minded people, um, making cool stuff right here in Baltimore or even beyond. And there's definitely room to collaborate. So, you know, we've worked with, um, keep well vinegar. We've worked with the spirit Baltimore spirits company. We work with vent coffee a lot. We work with the charmery. Um, you know, there's, there's no limit to who we will or won't collaborate with. Um, and that's another fun part of the creative aspect of this is like, how does my brand fit in with your brand? What can we make together? Hmm. Um, and, um, we feel like our success can be someone else's success too. And we can help build them up and, you know, it's a parallel that uh, Jed mentioned earlier, but I never really thought about it, but the, the parallel with sneaker culture, mm -hmm. because collabs is a, is such a hot buzzword right now. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, it's this brand X, this brand, right. You know, so I, I think that's really interesting that you guys keep pushing that. So well done. On yeah. That. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so John, um, tell everyone where they can find you you know, on the, uh, the web and social and all that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, search union craft brewing, you'll find us where, uh, you know, uh, unioncraftbrewing.com, um, at union brewing on Insta, um, Twitter, Facebook, we're all over that. Um, and, um, our new facility is, uh, open to the public Wednesday through Sunday. Um, we've got a big, beautiful tap room and we want you to come. We open at noon. Um, and that is, uh, 1700 West 41st street in Medfield, Hamden, Baltimore. Um, and, uh, come check it out and come check out the union collective, uh, filled with all these other cool businesses that you can go visit and do tours of and interact with and lots of cool Baltimore products being made right there. And then, so this being an international podcast, and I have the data to back that up, where can, what regions can we currently get the, uh, the prize liquid? Yes. So our beer is distributed in every corner of Maryland, uh, Washington, DC, and currently Northern Virginia. Um, it will probably expand to tick off Delaware so we can get the whole, uh, you know, Eastern shore and get your beach beer, um, up and down, uh, uh ocean city and, uh, and Delaware beaches. Um, and, uh, and we'll probably start to trickle into, uh, Southern PA and, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. Cool. Nice. Any, uh, anything, any want to, or obviously it's want, but what's the goal to kind of get national? Yeah. So we never set out to be a national brewer. Um, but we do want to be a regional brewing company, mm -hmm. um, which is becoming an increasingly more rare goal for, uh, startup breweries. Um, but, uh, you know, there were certain brewing companies that we really admired and looked up to and um, felt that we were had the right mindset to to reach for that status. Um, but beyond that, um, you know, we don't really aspire to send beer to California. Um, that's that was never part of our plan. Um, but, you know, but if we can serve the you know five or six states, you know, around us, we would be very happy with that. Awesome, man. Well, well hey, we're going to keep watching and being fans and, of course, drinking the beer. Thank you. Uh, really great stuff. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah. Thanks for having us on, guys. That was thanks, awesome. Joe. Jed, 
My internship application goes in tomorrow. Mine was already submitted online one minute ago. All right. Well, we'll see who uh, who gets that little bake off. Well, you know what, Sean? Hopefully it's both of us, but one way or the other, everybody, please check out the show notes at creativehowpodcast.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at creativehowpod. And smash the likes, uh, whichever uh, podcast supplier you fancy. Crush the like.